You're listening to TopCast, this old pinball's online radio. For more information, visit them anytime, www.marvin3m.com slash TopCast. Tonight on TopCast, we have an interview with a Bally pinball artist, that joined the company in 1976, worked at Bally up to 1984, and then went to work for Data East from 1987 to the early 1990s, and now is working for Stern, doing such titles as Lord of the Rings, Simpsons Pinball Party, and Playboy. Special guests. Special guests. Special guests. Special guests. I'd like to welcome Margaret Hudson, to TopCast tonight. She was a pinball artist starting her career right out of college uh, from Southern Illinois University in 1976 and working for Bally, Data East, and now she works for Stern Pinball. So we're going to give Margaret Hudson a call right now. Hi, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, great. You ready? Sure. Well, let's talk about how you got involved in pinball you uh it, it sounded like you were an artist and let's see you went to school at southern illinois university is that right that's true and um so how did you uh how'd you get your first gig in pinball well um i answered an ad in the newspaper that said they needed a graphic artist to do production work for pinball games, which I didn't have any idea what that was. And I interviewed with Paul Ferris, and they were just starting their own in-house art department at Bally. And they hired me as part of the, um, just the uh, startup of their own um, art department. And what was this, about 1976 or so? Yeah. Okay, and what, um... I mean, was this the only job you interviewed for, or did you interview for some other stuff, too? Oh, I, I was interviewing everywhere, but, you know, right out of college, nobody wants somebody with no experience, so, you know, that story. But you had other choices, right? Other choices? Yeah, as far as jobs. Uh, no, not really. Oh, I, the, the avenue I was going down was why, why pinball, or, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, there was no particular reason. I wasn't a pinball fan by any means. I don't even know if I had ever really played it. I mean, I was thinking when they said artwork on pinball, I'm like, Art, there's artwork on pinball? I was thinking back to, you know, uh, the arcades at, in my college town, and probably the only thing I could think of was a dinosaur game. In what, um, in your, uh, at, at Southern Illinois University, what, uh, what was your degree in? Uh, I had a Bachelor of Arts, my Master's in Paint. I mean, my um, main concentration was drawing, and my my sub was painting. So when you, um, this was at Bally that you were interviewed with Paul Ferris, right? Right. And what was your, uh, you know, what was your reaction when you went in there and uh, and you talked to him? Oh, it's always exciting when you when you think you might have a job. I mean, I was ready to work in a factory just to to get a job, uh, but but to actually be hired in an art department was pretty exciting. At the time, there was only 
Paul Ferris and Dave Christensen uh, working in the art department. Paul was hired as an art director to set up a, a whole department because before that they were sending all their art out to add poster. Right. Okay, and what, so what was the first product you worked on there? Evil Knievel. Oh, oh you did Evil Knievel work? Well, I did parts of it. I was trained on that one. I learned how to to ink and cut screens and just learn the whole process behind production artwork because that's nothing that I was taught in school. So everything was silkscreen base at that time, right? Oh, definitely, yes. And so, I mean, as far as like color separations and work like that, you had no training in that at all? No. And was that tough to learn? No. No, it wasn't. Easier than the computer. Hmm. All right, well, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> now, what's, um, uh, so you did work with on, on Evil Knievel and also what, like, I, you know, I'm just going through the Internet Pinball Database and it says you worked on, like, an 8-Ball Deluxe? Um, the one, uh, I think it was the original 8-Ball. Not 8-Ball Deluxe. It was more of a cartoony. The Fonzie one? Right. We're not supposed to say that word, though. What do you mean? Because it wasn't Fonzie. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of looked like him. Kinda? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was in the days, you know, before licensing and all that. Did they get in trouble at all for that, that similarity? Um, I don't think they did. So it was just kind of an inside joke almost. Yeah. And now, did you work on that glass much, or was that mostly Paul Ferris? It was mostly Paul Ferris. So were you like, were you kind of the art department grunt at the time? Oh, yeah. And what does a grunt do in an art department? They do whatever. I mean, you do the inking, you do the color separating, you do the... Um, do you actually have to cut the screens? Mm, that's what that's the thing that I couldn't understand when I when I did first get hired. Um, I was thinking of a scissors in my hand cutting screens like a screen door. And it, it's actually you use a swivel knife and uh you uh the material is called amberless and you it's like a plastic coated stuff and you peel you it's very delicate work and I did a lot of that, a lot of that, and nobody liked to do it because it was pretty tedious, and um, they always joked that it was something for small little ladies' hands to do, kind of like mending. Yeah, they were just saying that because they wanted you to do it. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what was the first game that you really had, you know, the, the real, the full artwork control on? Oh, that would be a Ball Deluxe. And did you you do all the artwork for that? Yes. Now that's that has a real obviously a real strong cowboy theme to it. You know that the the main guy on the glass is kind of a cowboy figure. Why did you go in that direction? 
was pretty much dictated to me, and it was very popular at the time. That was the same era of um, Urban Cowboy. It was very popular. They try and keep with popular themes. And pool has always been a very popular theme. So to put the two together just kind of went hand in hand. The Cowboy on... Eight ball deluxe. Was there any sort of inspiration or any any you know male model at the time that kind of inspired you to to draw him the way you did? Oh, that was just a friend of mine. Oh, really? So you, so how common was it for artists to use you know friends and people they knew in in their artwork? Very common. Very common. So that was just a, a, a guy you knew that you used as he he was your. He just had the look that I was looking for. And it's better than making people up because you're going to get something wrong if you don't have reference. Hmm. I mean, if you looked at Time Machine Backlash, I'm in that one. Oh, really? Where? I'm the uh, hippie in the car. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm familiar with that class. Sure. Yeah, I love that class. I love that game. Yes, yeah, great game. I love how they have the, like the chime units in it. When you go back into the fifties, it plays the you know the chime songs. Yeah. As a you know a young lady working in a kind of a male dominated field, I mean, was there any upside or downside to that? Oh, I think in the beginning, um, I was very idealistic and. You think you can change everybody's way of thinking, and you—you you, you know, I would get upset. You know, with it was—I mean, we worked in the engineering department. It was pretty much almost all men. You know, you know older men that you're not going to change the way they think or the way they, you know, treat women. I mean, everybody tr- tr- treated me very nicely. It's just that I—I I learned how to get along. You know, just don't don't make waves and learn to laugh at things. How was working with Dave Christensen? Quite a character. He was um, pretty silent. You know, he's very dedicated, and he wasn't used to having all these people. You know, before it was just him, and all of a sudden he has all these these youngsters come on board, and you know. We're learning all sorts of new processes and ways to do things. And he had his way of doing things. And, you know, they all, we know they all turned out beautiful. But, you know, Dave was a cool guy. And how was working with Paul, Paul Ferris? Oh, he was great. You know, he, he took me under his wing and pretty much made sure all of us really got everything we needed to do the best jobs that we could do. You know, he was always pulling for more for the art department and, um, just advancing um, all of our our tools and techniques, and going on seminars to learn different things. And you know, he was he was a great great boss. Now on Eight Ball Deluxe, they sold like well over eight thousand units of that game. You must have been pretty proud. Oh yeah, I was. And the thing, I got that game to do because nobody else wanted to do it. Now, why didn't anybody want to do that game? Nobody wanted to do old pool and, 
you know, that game, you know, it wasn't ex- as exciting a, a theme as some other other the themes that were coming along at that time. Hmm. So it was really my first chance, and um, it was a great experience. I worked really hard on it. And Did you get to keep one of the games? Oh, no. No, I could have bought one, maybe. Hmm. Now, I have a glass. Now, did they... Did this whole experience with working in pinball, did it change your perception of pinball and how you viewed it? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, on breaks and at lunch, they had a, they had a uh, game room and you would play pinball every day. And you really got to know everything about it. It was um, a lot of fun. So after Eight Ball Deluxe, it, it, um, according to the uh, the pinball database, it looks like you did Baby Pac Man. I worked. I did that with Pat McMahon. The two of us together. That was a video pin, I believe. Right, it's like half pinball, half video game. Right. And and any uh, any interesting stories on that? No. Did now what part of the artwork did you do on that game? On Baby? Right. I probably did... I'm having a hard time picturing the little tiny play field. I think what happened was Pat, McDan- Pat McMahon did a lot of the sketches, and then I turned uh, it into production art. You know, like I did the key line and the color separation and the typesetting. Well, I think Tony Ramoni worked on that one as well. He did the cabinet. Now, Man was a great cartoonist. Now let's talk about that. Um, you said that you did the the key line and the color separation, and um, it, 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 maybe you should explain what that whole process is. How how it goes from you know the the um, the raw drawings to the actual finished product. Okay. Well, you have a pencil sketch. You have pretty tight pencil sketch to size that's over uh engineering drawing of where all your perimeters are and your holes and your rollovers and everything. And then to do the key line, you use uh, a frosted mylar, which is a, a plastic uh, kind of see-through uh, thing that you ink with a rapidograph or a brush and you do black outlines around like a trap line, like on a cartoon. And you circle all the, all the holes and the inserts and you, um, fill things in with color with the, you, the, um, color separation, the amber list. You cut real lightly on this red plastic and you peel off everything that is not supposed to be a color. So there might be 10 colors. There will be 10 sheets of amberlith, one for every color. Hmm. And then uh, you do the typesetting as well. That's, you know, either we would, well, now we do it ourselves, but at that time a type was something so specialized that it was sent out to a type house. But you would have to, I would have to spec what size and what, what font to use and and make it sure it's readable. So any of the writing, you're saying that any of the letters, you mean like the type house would actually do? Oh, they would set the type. They would set it. I would just give them a, a 
piece of paper with, like, I want Helvetica, and I want it to say shoot again, and I want it to be in 24-point size, and they would send it back to us, and hopefully it would be right. Hmm. There was oftentimes when it wasn't. We spec it too small or too big or... Now it's great to have total control over that because you can just do it right on the computer and see how it looks and make sure it fits. And, hmm. um, now, when they did a re, they did Eight uh, Ball Deluxe did a rerun like the limited edition. Did you have to do any additional art for that? They used the same play field, but there was a new cabinet. It was in gold and black, and we took elements of. The back glass, the old back glass, and reconfigured them and added more to it for a smaller, with a smaller um, rectangular glass as opposed to the big um, square one. Mm -hmm. But everything else was the same. So it looks like on the the next project you worked on was uh, the Mr. and Mrs. Pac-Man, and that sold in excess of ten thousand units too. It did. Yeah, 10,600 according to the database. Wow. And um how you know how much work did you do on that game? Um Funny, I cannot remember the play field. I can't remember what it looks like in my head. But I know I did uh, Pat, Pat McMahon came up with the layout for the back glass. And I did the painting for it. So, and the play fields, I'm sure we both worked on cabinet, I can't remember. I should have my book in front of me. Now, after that, it it looks like you you um, uh, did maybe Spectrum? Spectrum, yes. That was totally all mine. Okay, now tell me about that game a little bit. Oh, that was with Claude Fernandez, was the um, designer, and it was in the computer, you know, we were approaching the computer age with, and I, and I think there was some game out at that time that was Simon or something with, you guess, the color sequence, and so we were kind of taken off on that idea with, um, you know... <clears throat> can't really remember, but it was something to do with color and, like, brain waves and, you know, technology and all that cosmic idea. Now, after Spectrum, it looks like you started doing some artwork for Gottlieb. No. So you didn't do, like, on the database it says you did Going Nuts and, and Crawl. Those weren't your games at all. Going Nuts was, was kind of like it had a squirrel on it, and Crawl was kind of a, it was after a movie. No, I didn't have anything to do with that. So neither of those two games you were involved with at all? No. Did you ever do any work for Gottlieb? No. Okay. So then um, uh, Granny and the Gators, did you, were you involved with that one at Bally? Right, yes. That was Pat McMahon and myself again. Um... I think Pat did the cabinet for that one, and I did the back glass and play field. Okay. And what, um, 
after Granny and the Gators, um, what uh, what it looked like the, you didn't do much pinball work for a while until like Data East came about. No, um, well, they put me on these um, <clears throat> conversion kits. What what they were calling them? Um, video conversion kits where. I was just doing little glasses and control panels. Mm-hmm. Um, Flicky was one, and ten pin something or other was another one, and water match. It just pinball was getting a little flooded at that time, so they just started doing you know more other things. And so you stayed on at the art department at Bally then during these lean times? Uh, yes, until uh, I don't know what year it was, '84 maybe, that I got laid off. So after you got laid off, where did you go to work then? I um, started working with Joe Kamenkow, and he was. Um, yeah, the startup for Data East. Right, right. And so the first game that Data East put out was uh, Laser War. You were involved with that one? Oh, yeah. And how was it working with Joe? Great. Man with a million ideas. <laughs> Never stopped. Yeah, it looks like you did quite a bit of uh, Laser War, Secret Service, Time Machine, Torpedo Alley, RoboCop, The Simpsons. You did The Simpsons, too? Well, they were all um, combined efforts with Kevin O'Connor and myself. Mm-hmm. So how did that go? Great. So when you did a combined effort with Kevin O'Connor, I mean, what, how did you guys figure out who did what? Pretty much, I did all the production work, and he did the designing. Now, when you say you did the production work, what does that entail? What I talked about before uh, with doing the inking and the color separating and the typesetting and just making sure everything lines up and is registered. And Now, when you say the inking, what do you mean by that? I guess I don't understand what that means. Well, it's... Um, an ink pen, a rapidograph pen, like a technical pen. Hmm. And what is that required as part of the color separation? That's part of the key line that traps the color separating. Um, a lot of times you have to use. Well, back in the old days, we would use templates and like circle templates, and it was like it was like drafting, pretty much like drafting. Hmm. So, and if you wanted shading, you know, on a, on a on a play field, you couldn't shade. You couldn't didn't have a pencil to shade with. You'd have to use little dots. You know, you'd like stipple with a pen, just like for hours on end, just getting a little shadow on an area. That's how things were done then. So, when did the computer come into play in doing the artwork? Oh. I'd say in the in the late nineties. I mean it was happening but I wasn't catching on to it 
because I was home working by myself, and it's if you don't understand it, you know, you just don't really understand how the whole process comes together. And they they just pretty much stopped using me because I couldn't um, give them the files the way the way they wanted. You know, I was still doing the old-fashioned way. Hmm. So when you were uh, weren't doing much pinball after like The Simpsons and Star Trek, what uh, what type of work were you doing then? Not much. It was pretty pretty bad time for me. So was it a like it was like sink or swim? You had to start using the computer. Right. Well, you know, I tried. I just wasn't good at it. You know, I had too many problems. It really, wasn't until um, God, what was it? A Playboy game, and I was brought in on that one. And given, you know, Paul between Paul Barker, John Yowsey, um, and Kevin O'Connor, they pretty much taught me how these things were done. And I just started started down that road, learning how to do everything on a computer. Was this recently, like in the last ten years? I'd say so. Oh, yeah, because there was in the, um, uh, I want to say around 2002, I want to say that they that Stern actually did a Playboy. Oh, that's that's the one I'm talking about. Oh, okay, Stern's Playboy. Gotcha. You know, I get these companies confused because it's all the same people. They just keep changing their name. <laughs> I mean, Data East, you know, Stern, to me it's like, they were all there when they were Daddy East. Now it's Stern. It's still all the same people. So yeah, that was the Stern game. So what did you do with on the on the Stern Playboy? What uh, what work did you do on that? I worked on the playfield. And did you have any? You know, as Playboy's a real strong, you know, uh, male. I want to say male dominated theme. Did you have any issues working on something like that? No. No, because they, you know, they have to make it decent. You know, they can't, it's not a porn thing at all. <clears throat> I mean, they have to make it decent so that these people will put it in their establishments. And they actually even have, you know, versions. I'm not sure which Playboy had it, but they actually had a little decal that, a little lace decal that went over um, a cleavage on someone just in case they wanted to GP it up. Right. So then you, you also, it looks like you also worked on Lord of the Rings and Simpsons Pinball Party, right? Oh, right, yeah. How was it working on those games? They're all the same. You know, I just <laughs> do what I do. Now, did you work with somebody on Lord of the Rings? Oh, Kevin. Okay. So you guys, so you were basically teaming up with these guys again. Right, right. Kevin and John Yossi. Okay. And now how was that? Is that a good relationship you have with those guys? Oh, it's great. It's great. We work very well together. And now, in this lapse between the, you know, the, the early 90s 
and then early 2000s, you, there's like a 10-year window when you weren't doing any pinball stuff. Was um, I mean, how did these guys bring you back into the fray? Um, I guess they just had a window to fill. They needed somebody to do some work, and they said, how about Margaret, you know? She's always known, you know, she knows the product. She knows how we like it to look. Well, the only thing she doesn't know is, is the computer. So between everybody, you know, they took care of me. So how, now what computer tools did you have to, did you have to learn, to, you know, to master this? Uh, Photoshop and Illustrator, the two programs. And which do you use more, Photoshop or Illustrator? Well, pretty much both Kevin and John do not like using Illustrator, so I use that one. I do, I do a lot in Photoshop as well. Have you gotten pretty good at it now? Pretty good, considering that, you know, I wasn't born into it like some people. I mean, it does make many things a lot easier. Yeah, because uh, Photoshop is like dot per, you know, dot by dot, you know, pixel by pixel, and Illustrator is like a vector or line-based graphic. Exactly. Right. So, you, so you're good with the vector stuff. Yes. You know, that is, I've tried to use Illustrator. Man, I just have a real hard time with it, too. Yeah, it's confusing. Well, there's no eraser, for one thing. Everything is a little more mathematical, I think. Hmm. And once you learn how it works, still, you know, there's a million things I don't know. I just know how to do what I have to do for pinball. Right. Now, do you own any pinball machines? I have Jurassic Park. It was given to me by Stern. Why? I don't know. Because I did want to buy a Simpsons game from them, and, you know, I couldn't afford it. And This was a year that they had a, a big pinball party at... Uh, a world premiere, it says, at the Natural, National Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C. Maybe this is one of the games that was there. Hmm. So I assume this was around 1993 or so? Exactly. Hmm. It has the date on it. There's a, pla- a little plaque on the front that says it made especially for me. Now, is there, as far as doing things, you know, digitally versus, you know, old school, was there any sort of, you know, personal reward that was, you know, that you felt greater with, you know, doing it old school or doing it through the computer? Um, at one point, I pro- would probably say I enjoyed um, doing it old school. But I think the better that you get with the computer, I don't think so. Because you just pretty much, you're able to do so much more. Now, as far as, um, like, hand drawings and paintings, do you still do that type of work for, you know, for other clients? Yes. So you still use all that, you know, the old school technique, you still use that stuff today? Yes, I do. 
So not everything is is gone digital. No, no. Hmm. Now, what other type of clients have you worked for outside of the you know the gaming industry? I've worked for a couple educational companies that um, uh, put out videos and books. I've done some book illustrations and um, video covers and DVD covers for those people. And I do logos and I do whatever people ask me to do. I don't know how I figure it out. Do you have a favorite piece of pinball art that you ever did? You know, I really like uh, Mr. and Mrs. Pac-Man, and I like Spectrum, too. Oh, the the Spectrum game, that was pretty cool? Yeah. Now, is there any piece of pinball art that you wish that you did not do that, you know, that you did do that, though, afterwards you kind of said, man, I really wish I didn't do that project? Well, not that I wish I didn't do it, but I wish I did it differently. Now, which one was that? Well, 8-Ball Deluxe Playfield. Why, why do you wish you did that differently? I don't know. I just, it was my first one, and... Um, there's just some things that are a little too dainty that I wish I would have made bolder. And... Hmm. You do like uh, Granny and the Gators play field. So I, I have that in my <clears throat> studio, and I, I always look at it and enjoy it. Was there any design team... Or group of individuals that you you know you liked working with more than others, or you know for any particular reason? No, not really. Now, when you did work, did you did you mostly work out of your home, or mostly work you know at at a you know at uh, you know at a, at Stern, or you know actually at their facility? No, no. I always work at home. They don't have the setup there that you need. Now, are you going to be doing any more of uh, uh, Stern stuff? Oh, yeah. Is there something you're working on right now? I'm just getting the uh, playfield drawing, the engineering drawing. Just I haven't opened. I haven't even opened it up and looked at looked at it yet. I just got it today. For which game is that? Oh, I can't tell you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Top secret. Right, right. Now, what about the secrecy? I mean, did, was it was everything really top secret in pinball? Oh yeah. I mean, did they make that real clear? It seemed to be uh, one pinball company would do a theme, and another pinball company would come up with the same, almost the same idea, at the same time. And you don't know if it was just the sign of the times, or if there was a leak, or what. I can't really think of an example to give you, but no, we weren't we weren't supposed to tell anybody what we were working on. Hmm. Was that like an unwritten law, or they were really really stern about that? Um, it wasn't unwritten, but we everybody just knew it. Hmm. Now, did you work on the baby in the hole project at Data East? The Harry Heist game. Oh, was that the? Huge one? Yes. 
think so. It sounds familiar. I pretty much worked on every game at Data East. You mean in some manner? Hmm? You mean on some things you worked, you had you had more control or more design, and some things you just worked a little bit on or something? Right. And what uh, was at Data East? What was your what was your favorite game back in the in the Data East days? Well, I have to say, I think I really liked Time Machine. Did you do the entire back glass on Time Machine? Oh no, Kevin did it. So you were doing the, again the production work, right? Most? I didn't do any. I didn't do any um, design work for Data East. But now, like on on the new on the Stern stuff, do you feel like you have more artistic control there? No. No, I'm pretty much production, which is fine with me. You're okay with that? Oh yeah. I mean, you have Kevin and um, and John, and they're both great. And I just as soon let them think up all the stuff, and I'll carry it through for them. Do you ever give them artistic direction, though? Yes. Are they pretty receptive to that? Yes. So, as far as like a, a game that you had like total control, it sounds like Eight Ball Deluxe was really your baby. That and, and Spectrum. I'd say Spectrum more so than Eight Ball Deluxe. Why was that? Well, Eight Ball Deluxe was my first game. And so um, Paul Ferris had a lot to do with the way things looked, My, the art director. Mm-hmm. He had a pretty heavy hand in that. Now, was there anything that you had a, a harder or easier time drawing? Like, I mean, were, was drawing males easier or harder or, or females easier or harder? Well, I think women um, were always criticized more for... Um, not really drawing women as seductively as the men would draw them. Mm-hmm. They try to draw the women in more more wholesome way, which didn't always work. Hmm. So it was harder for you to draw women. Right, you know, it's, yeah, I'd say so. Hmm. That's that's interesting. Okay, well, Margaret, is there anything else that you'd like to add or anything I missed? No. Okay, well, cool. I really do appreciate your time. I'm playing pinball, that's all. (laughs) Do you still play pinball? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you need to get some more machines. Do you play pinball? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Own any? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I own quite a few. Really? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Where do you keep them all? Uh, in the basement, I've got like a hundred set up in the basement. Oh my god! Yeah, that's pretty much everybody's reaction. You must have a big basement. You know, that's the funny thing. I don't. It's not as big as you would think. <laughs> <laughs> I think pinball games, as much as I like them, they're a little bit of a decorating dilemma. What do you mean? They just fit anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why the basement is mine. The rest of the house, no, that's not mine. <laughs> so alright well hey thank you very much again I appreciate your time okay Clay good luck alright bye bye alright I'd like to thank Margaret Hudson for joining us tonight on TopCast really do appreciate her time 
Appreciate her coming on and sharing her stories about being a production pinball artist at uh, Bally Diddy East in Stern. And don't forget to check out Topcast Video, our video version of the podcast, that are 30-minute episodes available for download that you can watch either on your computer or on your iPod with a video screen. Good night and so long.